Here we go. I'm going to play the theme song. BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. <laughs> Sorry. You wanted to do it? I was trying to Sorry. see. I was go trying ahead. to see, is there any way I could speak fast enough to beat you? And there's, there's no way because you do it very fast. Do you want to do it? I'm going to practice doing it. Okay, here we go. Welcome to BDFM. Not I'm fast B- enough. I know, it's not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. I'm B. And I'm D. And we are here to talk about TV. That's right. And life. Philosophy, art. Religion, sometimes. Science. Lots of science. I'm a uh, comedian and a scientist, mad inventor, a nice scientist, not mad. Uh, And I am a writer of less funny things. I'm a parent and I'm a hobby gardener. I'm a hobbit for short. You're a hobbit gardener. I'm what's called a hobbit because I, I like to live under a hill behind a round door in a warm sort of candle lit burrow. You know what I say? Shelves of books. Hobbit. I barely even know it. Yeah. <laughs> Hob is a good all-purpose verb that could sound Hob suggestive. Hob on pop. Hob on pop. Hob on pop. Hob on pop. 1280p. <laughs> the 40-year-old hobbit. Yeah, it works for anything. The 40-year-old hobbit. <laughs> that's a great, you know, that's just that's just called the hobbit, honestly. Yeah, well, how old is Frodo? Well, I think some. I mean, are hobbits exactly. like hundreds of years old or twenty-five, like Elijah Wood is? It's somewhere in the middle of that. And there is some nerd who knows exactly and is banging down the door to tell us because in the beginning of uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, it's Bilbo's eleventy-first birthday, of course, and he and Frodo have the same birthday, which they call the birthday. Eleventy-first. Okay, it's so Frodo has got to be like he's like seven hundred or something. No, no, no. He's like sixty or something. Ele- uh, one, 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 one. His uncle's oh. 100 and... 100 and they call it 11 They call first? it 11 yeah. Not 1100, but... I thought it um, was 11 tens. Anyway, they have the same birthday, and Frodo's like in his 50s or 60s, which is like adolescence, I think, for a hobbit. Frodo is 50 years old. Ooh. He was born in 1368, which means the movie occurs in... 1368, uh, and, and tell me Tolkien... Tell me Tolkien has a... Is, it, is there like a calendar? Is there like... Oh, it's like 1342 I mean, post, you know. Fucking. Is it even the same planet? I mean, well, what no, did it the, is. the dates and... He said it was... Oh, a, it's called Middle Earth. He said it was a natural history of, you know, Northern Europe, though, of England and, oh. and, and the, the UK. Back when area. hobbits and orcs yeah, ran around. Fairies and stuff. Fairies and trolls, I think, are the main races in Lord of the Rings, right? Fairies and trolls. Shepherd fairies and Nick Krolls. This is a Lord of the Rings podcast, or it has been up <laughs> no, until now, God. but we're going to pivot and we're going to start talking about Fuck. two random TV episodes Kill me. instead. Um, no, we're not talking about the most boring six hour long movies <laughs> ever made. We're talking about sitcoms, the true <laughs> art of television sitcom, or possibly the uh, sitdram, occasionally the sitdram. Sometimes the dramedy. The dramedy, the situation dramedy. Or even the (laughs) comedy, which is a comic tragedy. No, I can't even say it. A tragic. What about the whore trage? (laughs) Oh, that's scary. The sit whore trage, the comic horror tragedy. I feel like all prestige movies and television now are a whore trage. Everything is like the most tragic and most violent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stuff that could happen. You mean like The Last it, of Us? Everyone's having a really intense time. Game of Thrones. Yeah, nothing, nothing is light in, yeah, really, that's in true. prestige. Although, I hear though that Succession is, is what to watch if you want something that's like, people are not ripping each other's arms off, but they're like looking at each other and saying one word and people are like, oh my God, this show is I crazy. Guess. I gotta get into that show, I think. I've tried, you know, something about rich people that makes them somewhat unwatchable. They're hard to relate Meaning to. Meaning I just don't like rich people or stories about rich people in general. Sure. And this brings us... Uh, uh, actually... <laughs> to, our, to our topic today a little bit. Well, I'm going to have to uh, eat crow a little bit because I'm picking a show about a rich white guy. Sure. 
called Frasier. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So ignore everything I said up till now. <laughs> I love everyone. Frasier, funny show. Mm-hmm. It's very upper class white. Well, sort actually, of I think Frasier is a really good look at class, though, because of course the father it figure in Frasier is a proud working class figure. Yes, they're not from money exactly. I but it's not like any of the writers on Frasier care grew up in the projects. Sure. Um, it, it's about class to an extent from the perspective of the upper. Sure. It's a great show, though. I like to rewatch it. I've, I've watched it. I've watched it all through at some point, but that was years ago. So mm. um, I picked an episode that sounds fun. I have no idea. I have no recollection of it. It has a good cameo that I'm not going to say yet. It's called The Ski Lodge. And basically, I looked up a list of best Frasier episodes and read the descriptions, and this one sounded fun. It's called The Ski Lodge, Season 5, Episode 14, and it's uh, referred to by Variety as a bedroom farce Ooh. or sex farce. My goodness. Well, I chose an episode of television that is about, I would say, a working class family. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a show that I have not seen all the way through and an episode that I don't remember, but a show that I'm certain eventually I will watch all the way through and memorize. Bob's Burgers, a beautiful show. Yeah. A Lauren Bouchard, Bouchard show? Bouchard. I think it's Bouchard. 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 I think of it as uh, as the post-home movies cartoon. He was involved in home yeah. movies. And actually, home movies is better. <laughs> home movies is amazing. It's got and, a real... Uh, I mean, they're all the heirs of Dr. Katz, professional therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, God, we haven't done on this show yet. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, very formative show for me. Lauren Bouchard, I think, was one of the creators of Dr. Katz and then Home Movies. And then Bob's Burgers was really the most mature of those shows. But um, it's the most like a real sitcom. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about class a little bit as well. Specifically, I wanted to talk about food service Mm. Mm -hmm. as work the politic of food service the praxis of food service i'm trying to make it sound like i went to college body politic i did but the the the, yeah the way that food service functions in our in our economy and how sometimes it functions as shorthand for a job that requires very little skill Sure. Specifically, burgers and fries are often the literally the called goats. McJob, mm-hmm. derisively in many yes. places. Which is interesting because burgers and fries are conflated with huge corporations and like mass production, and those things are, don't always go together. And they certainly don't in Bob's Burgers, which is a show about a very goofy restaurant tour. Yeah, and the family is kind of hapless. There's a lot of mischief going on. So um, and I'd like to see what it says about class, especially watched against Fraser, who is a white collar man. Yeah, I've always been interested in what it would take to be a sole proprietor of a little restaurant. Mm-hmm. My grandparents, when they moved from Italy, they opened a little uh, general store, which is kind of food service. They sold like pasta and Italian sausage and imported olive oil, and they worked for the Gambino crime family. (laughs) And then my uncle... But did they make sandwiches? (laughs) I don't know. Could you get a sandwich there? I hope so. Because I'm willing to forget that that. last part. (laughs) I'd like to believe... Yeah, I don't know. It was before my time. I wasn't old enough to witness their store. But I did witness... My uncle Leo had a, a slider shop. It was a hamburger shop. It, it oh, was, wow. he ran what we called in the Midwest peewee golf. He had a peewee golf, oh. which is mini golf. He had two 18 course mini golf holes, I guess, or mm-hmm. courses. He basically ripped off White Castle. He made these slider burgers with fried onions. Very simple burger. I think it was just 
mm. cheese, fried onions, and ketchup. Maybe a pickle. Yeah, and a couple pickles. Mm. Really good. Very nice. And they went out of business. But it always seemed very cool to me that my uncle ran that. His sons would be grilling behind the counter when I was a kid. Nice. A yeah, family that'd business. be fun. And if all else fails, maybe I could flip burgers or open a little burger shop. That's always been sort of a dream, right? Sure. Well, there's something very ancient about it. There's something primal about yeah. feeding people, for sure. There's places that it's have probably been... Probably the oldest profession, honestly. No, no, yes. Probably invented the same day as prostitution. As prostitution. Sex work and food work were probably, you know, it's about the same. So let's discuss fine wine and cheap old classic burgers. <laughs> this is this is going to be a, a whole treatise on the American class system. From yeah. A, from a, you know. Exactly. It's a real foodie episode. We're going to going to go from caviar to good old uh, blue collar. American cheese. Ground steak. All right. As you... No, unless you don't, we're uh, going to take a break and we're going to watch both of those episodes, Frasier, season five, episode 14, The Ski Lodge, and Bob's Burgers, season three, episode three. Season three, episode three, Bob fires the kids. And then we'll be right back to give you a summary of those episodes. Up, 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 it's coming up. Are you an expecting host of an alien parasite? There's a lot of apps out there that promise to give you updates on your parasite's development, but only, only little tentacles gives you fully comprehensive updates every hour on the hour of what the little symbiotic monster inside you is getting up to in there. Did you know that by week 99, your parasite's brain is 97% of its weight? It's pretty scary to think about. By week 700, they start to look like a jellyfish. You'll get tips like this and more by joining LilTentacles.com. This offer available only to off-world listeners of BDFM. And we're back. We're back having watched Frasier. Slash Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Frasier affectionately known as Frazier by some. Yeah. Frazier. Frazier. We watched two really good episodes, two solid, Pretty funny, funny episodes funny of TV. Mm-hmm. Frazier, also known as Cheers 2. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell us what that was about? Yeah. Let's give rundowns of both the shows we watched. Okay. So we watched Frazier S5E14 called The Ski Lodge. And it goes a little like this. It starts in Frazier's office, uh, which is the uh, radio studio that he does his radio show. His producer, Roz, is complaining, oh, there's this lady, I hate her. She always asks me for money for raffles and causes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the lady comes in and is like, uh, after Roz is really rude to her, she's like, oh, well, you won the grand prize in the raffle, so fuck off. (laughs) And she's all offended. But So Roz won... A crazy gift for for a church raffle, a ski weekend where she apparently she won a lodge with six bedrooms to herself. Yeah. Uh, she won a lodge with six bedrooms and a live-in ski instructor. <laughs> Maybe he was just he was just hanging out there past his welcome because he thought that maybe i don't know well they never i think he was kind of just they never talk out. about it they just well he's just there no, he, no he's you're the right. chef he, too he is staying there you're right he's, he, says, he has his own room and yeah it's weird he's you're there. right it's you're right he is it's like they were sending her on a trip with a hot guy for the weekend that she's never met he does turn out to weird. be gay but it, it's mm-hmm. just a one of the classic sitcom sexual miscommunication episodes yes so anyway, Roz can't go because I think she's pregnant this season and she can't ski nor drink. So Frazier's like, I'll give you a big screen TV for it. And she's like, sold. So uh-huh. basically he buys the tickets offer and he extends the offer to his brother. Niles invites Daphne, who's in love with. Daphne's like, I have my friend in for the weekend. So mm-hmm. Niles is like, bring her too. And then somehow Martin gets roped in. So five <laughs> people are going. 
Fraser, Niles, Daphne, Friend, and Martin. Uh-huh. So they all get to the ski lodge. There's no skiing. It's almost it's almost a bottle episode. It's it's in one room. Uh-huh. The whole show is in this one room. And so they meet the ski instructor, who is also their chef. Whose name is Guy. Guy. Mm-hmm. G-U-Y. I didn't get this joke. Maybe we can figure it out. But one of the title cards, of course, Frasier known for uh, titling its acts. And the title of the second act is... Could Guy's last name be Fideu? 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 F-E-Y. I think it was D-E-U or something. Georges Fideu was a playwright who wrote some excellent bedroom farces. Okay. One such was Hotel Paradiso, which appears to have inspired this episode. Oh, he's remembered for his farces written between 1886. The Belle Epoque. La Belle Epoque. Okay, so that's the joke. It was that's a real Fraser joke. Mm-hmm. Anyway, our five protagonists and Guy. We have six people in a ski lodge, and then they set up this amazing shot with six doors, mm-hmm. and a, it's a wide shot of the cabin, and all six doors are around the, the stairway. And there's like lights on the doors. It looks like a play. It's just beautiful. Yeah, beautifully shot. This is how it goes down. Niles was in love with Daphne. We knew that. But Daphne's friend is has the hots for Niles. Turns out that Daphne has the hots for the ski instructor. The ski instructor is gay and wants Niles. Mm-hmm. Martin just wants to sleep. And Fraser likes Daphne's friend. Mm-hmm. And Fraser thinks that she wants him. And all of these people think that they're required. That, yes. Every they one of them the thinks that the person they like likes them back, but they yeah. don't. So there's this really complicated, great, perfect like sitcom thing that goes the whole second act, uh-huh. which is somebody goes into somebody's room uh, who they're attracted to. They think that that person is attracted to them, and then... They get confused and somebody else runs in and then a new couple runs off. So yeah. it's almost like an improv scene. Uh, th- there was an improv style called the Laronde where there's always two mm. characters in every scene. And Oh, okay. This was this is basically a Laronde. An improv Laronde is when you have two characters in a scene and a third comes in, mm-hmm. jumps in and grabs one of those characters so they tap one out. Oh, okay. So now you have two new characters, one of whom was in the last scene. And mm. then now somebody else jumps in and taps one of them out, and you have okay. two characters. So you always have two characters, and it's always continuing from the last scene. Okay. Um, that's exactly what they did for like <laughs> 12 minutes. It was great. And so finally they're all in the same room, and they all explain what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all yelling so loudly that Martin comes in and yells at them. Yeah. To, to shut up. Somebody kind of explains it. They all kind of get it. Yeah. Except Niles doesn't get to profess his love for Daphne, but he's been trying to. Never happens. Yes. He gets very close, though. He gets. He tries to um, with hilarious results. And finally, the button is kind of the button of this act is Frazier going. Now, wait a second. With all of the hormonal energy coursing, bouncing off the walls of this lodge. None of you have the hots for me. <laughs> and everybody just kind of like, it's kind of sad. <laughs> he mm-hmm. just like walks off with a bottle of champagne very sadly. And at the very end. And then there's an even the sadder the episode. button final scene where we see the cute blonde girl take the bottle of champagne and, and sneak into Fraser's room. And then but she. But it's locked. She tries to sneak in. She yeah. tries to sneak in and it's locked. And he. Oh, and then she goes back home to her bedroom and then Fraser comes out and we see he wasn't in the room he just misses her the button is that she, she, she although she was she kind of wanted his brother she b- would have settled for him so yeah. <laughs> the button is that she went to him and he wasn't there and he Aww. and they just missed each other yeah which was sad because we wanted to see Fraser score mm-hmm. but he didn't nobody scored I mean, you know, in a perfect poly world, they would have all just jumped into bed together, except for Martin. <laughs> yeah, there's one one reference uh, to a threesome when Abby says, 
Oh, a threesome is what you're after. Well, I don't do I don't those, do those anymore. anymore. You think she's going to say, I don't do threesomes because it's the sure. 90s. No, the aughts. There's she'll a wonderful the 30 Rock joke um, that is only going to age badly from now on. But it's a joke where Liz says to Jenna, you had a threesome with Roseanne and Tom Arnold. And Jenna goes, that was two years ago. <laughs> but it was really funny because of the, when it when <laughs> it aired, right? It aired in like, you know... It aired in 2009. You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, think yeah. she's going to go, that Earlier. was 15 yes. years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was 20 years ago or something in the 90s. The okay, so Frasier Frasier ran from 93 to 2004. So this was approximately 98. It's the late 90s. Mm. Sexual mores were a little more conservative in society. And uh, we didn't expect them to have a threesome. But yeah, it's true. They such, things, it. such things were... A little outrageous, but um, a little risque. I mean, it was risque enough that, that anybody would just be like, "I'm attracted to this person. I'm going to jump into bed with them at the ski lodge." It was very. It's very like, wow, this is a very racy thing to do. It's not like yeah, but it felt you know, you know, it was modern for the day, obviously, and you know, having the ski instructor be gay was sort of a new thing in the '90s that sitcoms would do. They would yeah, never like do it in was, the '80s, and having it be okay that he's gay. Sure. The subtext being... No one ever questioned... In the 80s or early 90s, the whole plot line would have been, oh my God, he's gay. But in this, nobody questioned it. Yeah, like it would be a huge joke that it turns out he's gay. Instead, it's... It's just another person in the quadrangle or quintangle that they're making. Six people. It's a sextangle. Yeah, you're It's literally a sex... That's very Title of this episode, Sextangle. Sextangled. Tangled web. Of course, some of us knew at the time that David Hyde Pierce was gay. And so yeah. it reads very funny. And he has and to yell in this episode, I'm not gay, which <laughs> I found interesting because very interesting. the actor is. What year did you say this aired? So this was approximately 98. It might have been 99 or something. Okay. And the Bob's Burgers episode we watched is from 20, 2012. Okay. November of 2012. So about like a month before the world ended. So like over... Two years later. Mm-hmm. The same year that the first marijuana decriminalization laws were passed in Colorado and in Washington. Oh, okay. Interesting. So so this was a, a very weed-centric yeah, weed. episode, which we didn't know going in, did we? Uh, did. I, I did know going in that this would be a, a plot point, but I had never okay. seen this episode. This is the episode where Bob, where Bob is confronted with memories of his own childhood, of being an overworked restaurant kid who had to work at the family business and had he found no a box real of toys. toys he found his box of toys from when he was a kid and it was very sad it was what a brillo pad <laughs> yes a spatula that he called a rocket ship and, and a soap a piece of soap that a was dog like made a out dog. of soap called mr mr doglovich <laughs> the soap bob decides after thinking about it and after he finds himself yelling at the kids to get back to work, he realizes he's got to fire them for their own good. He's stealing their summer because it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants kids. them to have a normal kid summer. Have a summer. They announce to the kids <laughs> that they're going to get fired and the kids go off and try to have some fun. But in a montage of, you know, mishaps, they, they can't have any kind of fun. Nothing's nothing's working. Yeah, what the modern reversal is, you would expect the kids to go, yay, and run out the door. But these kids are like, like Eugene literally says, I'm more of an indoor kid. <laughs> and they're all, they all want to stay and work. They don't want to go out and have a summer. Yes. They're much more comfortable being inside, close to home. But eventually, they find their way onto a blueberry farm. They stumble onto a crop of blueberries and start eating them. The blueberries belong to a hippie couple who befriend the kids and want to employ them to pick the weeds. They're just employing them to the weeds pick weed. that are growing <laughs> in a greenhouse. Yeah, it's just a weed farm. And uh, the blueberries are a cover for when they deliver the weed. They put it in this little, little false bottom box with blueberries on top. And We've all bought false bottom blueberry boxes. <laughs> the kids, and then the kids deliver them on their bikes, and or Tina specifically delivers these little blueberry boxes around town yeah, to a number of people who are secretly buying weed. Yep. Without her parents' knowledge. Uh, meanwhile, Bob and Linda have hired 
They've hired a bank robber named Mickey. First of all, the weed farmer and wife were, uh-huh. p- were uh, Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally. Of course. Hollywood power couple. Mm-hmm. And then what, this ex-con who tried to rob a bank? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, implied that he had he had previously Just taken them hostage. Randy, I think. Uh, um, Mickey. Mickey is played by Bill Hader. Yes. Very funny. Uh, he comes along and they hire him to replace the kids. He doesn't have any place to live. They let him live in the basement. He's working for room and board. But what he's actually trying to do is is to tunnel out from their, their basement into the, into bank. the bank so that he can rob the bank again. They literally have him doing a, a Shawshank Redemption uh-huh. in the basement with a poster. A poster of the movie Big. A poster from Big. Pretty soon, the kids' parents find out what's going on when uh, a customer who is Doug Benson, who's actually an undercover DEA agent, Mm-hmm. comes in and says, I got to return this, this, uh, these blueberries. They were mostly sticks and stems. Bob and Linda look under, they, they pick up the box and they see like, oh my God, there's weed packaged under here. <laughs> Does the agent put like a tracking beacon or something in there? Cause then he like follows them to the, the farm. He gives them back yeah. the blueberries. They immediately, with the help of Mickey, they figure out where it's from. Yeah. Mickey Basically, says he, he knows, knows exactly where, where it is. Yeah. They go to get the kids but then DEA immediately follows them and swoops down on the house. Yeah, there's a huge raid, which is very realistic for the time. Because it was a time of changing marijuana laws and even legal dispensaries were constantly getting raided. So small farms were definitely Oh, yeah, that's raided. true. And Beverly and Cooper, who are Megan and Nick, get on their tandem bike and try to sort of run away it's like a it's like they're doing a michael kane in children of men except they're just like on, they're not getting shot by the cops but they're they're riding their little tandem bike just away and then back and forth in and in circles, a circles and, the, and the cops are like kind of chasing them slowly sort of chasing them but they're not going very <laughs> fast and they think they're getting away it's but very... they're like completely just going in circles which it was a, a really yeah. funny scene but also gave me a lot of agita because you know in real life, they probably would have yes. been peppered with bullets. There are some scenes when all the other characters have their hands up, so the police will not shoot them, and it does not play the same way. Ten years later, <laughs> it's stressful, and it doesn't feel... It feels like, yeah, um, they're in danger of dying. <laughs> it's it's just, then we realize how, how much we see that imagery in movies and are desensitized to it, yeah. So, yeah, which there's, is, you know, it gets a little, uh, it gets the, the stakes are high in this episode um, because the kids have been doing something then they illegal. get their jobs back they get their jobs back and at bob's the the well but the <laughs> but the last scene is just them having this standoff <laughs> with the cops and these guys trying to kind of escape and one of them says this is summer fun oh yeah they never really reset back to the yeah burger place the end credits always have them sort of grilling and washing dishes at the at the burger shop. Oh, right. And Mickey, very they show little. Mickey in the end credits still digging a hole in the basement wall. <laughs> it's so well written. It's such a clever show. I was going to say that, uh, you know, since we were talking about a, a a bedroom farce, I should share with you that the only episodes of Bob's Burgers that I have seen, I watched with a young man who, with whom I had a dalliance. You mean like last um, week? <laughs> no, this was years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why I brought this up. I brought this episode <laughs> up because talk. I've been watching it recently with some some young man. I wanted man. to bring this up during the podcast so <laughs> that you were out of reach of your many guns. Oh, my no. God. Just kidding. Yeah, I mean, the, it's funny. It, it brings up the idea of jealousy a little bit and everybody, everybody sort of wanting one person. Mm-hmm. It's a very old idea that... Everybody has one option that they want. And yeah. If the option doesn't want them back. Rather than just like, oh, yeah, you're all kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't really on the table. I almost thought if this was a different show, I thought Frazier's last line was going to be like, now, wait a minute. You're telling me that with all the hormones flying around this cabin, with all of this sexual energy... I thought he was going to say, you're telling me no one is going to have sex. Yeah. I We're all just going to go back going to, to bed. Who is, Nobody's going to hook up here. Like, what is I happening? I mean, I was thinking, but Niles was like, 
yeah, sure, he has the hots for Daphne, but this girl is beautiful. Just I know. have a weekend. I know. Like, what are but you see, doing? but the thing, the problem is that that would irreparably damage his chances with Daphne because you could never Maybe. sleep with someone who slept with someone that they know. You know what I mean? It's just I slept with all of your friends before <laughs> we dated. <laughs> um, and I, you know, as you know, I'm on a continuing uh, path to sleeping with all of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Keep trying. I'm not, yeah, not that doing did happen well. to me. I, I had one fling with a person at this comedy theater. And then I was sort of had a fling with a, a mutual friend. But then she was like, oh, but don't you have something going on with this other girl? And I was like, no, that's over. But that <laughs> still ruined it. Uh-huh. it. Still ruined our chances because uh, mm. I had hooked up with her mutual friend. Yeah, some people don't but like that's that. that's how it goes. Yeah. The idea of... Uh, the idea of a sex farce. I think this is a very funny concept. And I don't know much about Fado. <laughs> but maybe I'll learn some, read some more. But um Guy Fado. But like when I think of farce, I guess there is usually some kind of sexual element. There's usually like someone chasing another person around. Yeah, I'm thinking of Benny Hill. <laughs> Benny Hill's being chased off a cliff by women with no bras. <laughs> There's something both quaint about it, about the sexual mores, mores, mores. Both but, are acceptable <laughs> on this podcast. There's something old fashioned about the way it's done, but there's also something that is kind of sexually outrageous, even even now sort of watching it, which is just like Abby deciding that Niles is hot and being like, I'm going to dress in a negligee and I'm going to go be like, I want you to fuck me right now. That's that's. Even today in a more progressive time, more relaxed, monogamish, sort of uh, mainstream, perhaps. It's not shocking, but it still is. It's very bold. I don't know if we are completely more progressive than then. I I feel like the 90s was a little more sexually uninhibited. Yeah. Like we hear about like the millennials are having less sex than the Gen Xers and the yeah, yeah. The Gen Z or whatever, who's ever of age and the young adults are having less sex. Yeah. I feel like people are a little more guarded about sex in some ways, It about just casual hmm. hopping into bed sex. Although people are more sure. progressive about having multiple partners or having less monogamy, I think. Yeah, but it's almost like the mainstream is now multiple relationships, multiple, uh, yeah. multiple commitments versus you know, less commitment versus one night stands and flings. Even in the poly world, I see a lot of people who are like people's profiles, at least people that are poly or ENM are not just sleeping around all over the place. They're normally looking for one extra or a couple of extra partners. And maybe it's a stereotype, but everyone does seem to be seeking like polycules or groups of friends, group groups of, of friends with with sexual components it's interesting the, the, the idea the of having one night stands or the idea of having flings with strangers and having the, the, the fact that they are strangers be part of it that is a little bit lost now when i think it was big in the 90s yeah there's a lot of like it anonymous was kind of like a 60s thing it's like a hippie hippie thing you know mm-hmm. speaking of you know this hippie blueberry farm couple mm-hmm I think our idea of sexual freedom used to be, oh, anonymous sex with many different partners that you never see again. But really, the evolution of sexual freedom is more like two or three solid partners that you trust Mm -hmm. and know well. That might be the future is less promiscuity, but more polyamory. Maybe so. I don't want to suggest that promiscuity or anonymous sex is bad for... No, please, Social. if you're thinking about <laughs> having anonymous sex with either of us, please do. <laughs> either or both. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to see how how these tastes change around uh, vice, you know, because hmm. this was basically only a decade ago, the Bob's Burgers with the weed, and popular perception of marijuana has changed hugely in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, even now, this feels a little, it feels dated that they're, I mean, there's still states where 
it's illegal, but it's generally yeah. decriminalized across America, more or less. Mm-hmm. It's um, seen as... I'm sorry if you're in prison for marijuana. I know there's some people still are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But something that recreational... Legalization of recreational marijuana has led to, I think, more people using cannabis medicinally in their everyday lives. Yes. And using it as a replacement for Advil or a replacement for or a, replacement a, a melatonin for or, or a replacement for a cup of coffee sometimes, a replacement for or Xanax. Prozac or Xanax. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of how I use it because I've never... I've been described antidepressants because I've had depression my whole life, but I don't take pills. I don't mm-hmm. like to take pills. I forget. I stop. But um, I think yeah. I kind of use weed as if it was Wellbutrin. Like, I don't get high very often, mm-hmm. but definitely if I have stressful times, I'll, I'll microdose a little bit of yeah weed to, to take the... Uh, the stress out of certain situations and you definitely do you definitely do microdose your weed like you're you're very sparing with it yeah if consistent i think that's a good way to do it like a long acting sort of mood stabilizer (laughs) kind of is how i think of it for myself so it's been 25 years since this fraser episode and our sexual proclivities have changed that much and it's been 10 years since the weed episode and our drug proclivities have changed in 10 years what's going to be the next thing in 10 years that people are like well you were so behind well the third thing has got to be rock and roll so (laughs) i don't know how does that work um well because the ais uh, are going to be doing all the great rock in 10 years yeah right oh you were listening to human music back then (laughs) oh so primitive oh and all of your tv shows were written by humans and not ai <laughs> all of your podcasts were edited by humans by hand and hosted <laughs> by humans and not ais <laughs> that might be the next thing like in 10 years i bet ai is going to be a major it's it's we're in mm-hmm. singularity territory because it's like i can't even begin to guess how AI is going to be in 10 years, but I bet it's going to be mm-hmm. a part of our everyday lives in crazy ways. Yeah, my God. I remember... Can't imagine. I, I used to go to comedy shows, and Paul F. Tompkins, uh, speaking of Bob's Burgers, Paul F. Tompkins, who's a voice on Bob's Burgers, most episodes. I don't think he was in Sometimes. this episode. Hmm. I think he's the guy with the eye patch that was briefly in... Is it Mr. Fishwife or something? He bought pot from yeah. Tina... Well, anyway, Paul F. Tompkins used to do the spit on stage. It was very funny. It was called Google Voice Translate or something, stories or something. Uh And he would dictate a paragraph into Google Voice Translate. Uh And it would would do such a poor job of parsing his voice that it would be hilarious to read the return paragraph. And the reason I bring that up is because that was in the teens. It was right. maybe 2014 or 15. Now, oh. any phone or, mm-hmm. you know, your Alexa, your series, whatever, can perfectly understand almost every word you say. Yeah. Sometimes they get one or a word wrong or something, but it's like yeah. almost flawless mm-hmm. the way AI can understand us now or just technology in general, not necessarily artificial intelligence. Yeah. The, our, our technology can understand the words we are saying. The words yeah. that are coming out of my mouth, as Chris <laughs> Tucker would put it, uh, yes. very extremely well, almost perfectly. Yeah. And just not even 10 years ago, it was terrible at it. Yeah. And Paul F. Tompkins' bit is ruined now. <laughs> he can't do that joke anymore at all. But while it can understand may not be the word, you know, it's, a, it's the Chinese room experiment, meaning, you know, strong AI can be fed Chinese and translate it and output it again without having an internal understanding of what it is if just given a i don't know why chinese sure. is the example that's very difficult to, i mean you know i'm doing chinese on duolingo right now man kicking my ass it is okay, difficult. that's it the point over of over the, it's hard the uh story or the metaphor is that <laughs> it's very hard a translator and, yeah. doesn't need to know what it means at all to translate it 
um, in, in a sense, you can just look at a translation chart. Yeah, the idea is the AI doesn't have to have, like chat GBT doesn't have to have a natural understanding mm -hmm. of the world to be able to write a book report about the world or whatever you sure. ask it to do. But, you know. I wonder if, um, I mean, we were talking about we were talking about class as it reflects in Frasier, which is, you know, which is remembered as a, a very posh show, mm -hmm. but pretty posh people. They're not exactly the 1%. Frasier still works no. for a living. It's upper um, middle class. They're upper, the, yeah. But they have access to fine wine and the arts. They go to the opera, oh, such yeah. things. They're going skiing. This is upper middle class stuff. He's making, um, in today's bucks, he's making, you know, 400000 mm -hmm. a year. But I was thinking, I wonder if that will age differently, if that will be one of the things that changes. After um, we kill the rich? After we, yes. Do you know how, like, do you ever watch, well, I, I know you don't ever just, like, throw one of these movies on, but if you ever see something like um, a movie like Pillow Talk, one of the 1940s, again, sex farces pillow talk specifically is really a fun bedroom farce with a, a gay man playing straight playing gay at times Who? those kinds of movies rock hudson rock hudson and doris day oh that you mean roddy mm. mcdowell <laughs> <laughs> um um in I those watch a lot of the well, well i've know, seen some percentage of those in some of those movies old, old farces. uh the opulence is off the charts and it's unrelatable yeah. where you're like what well, is happening in this movie there's a there's one of those it might be pillow talk where a woman is like dude i don't want to go out with you you bought me a car really that's a bit much don't you think like she, she's getting yeah. all these expensive gifts and it includes a car <laughs> but that's not because that's how everybody was living those days no not at all no no, no of course because not. they would only they were only telling stories about the earls and dukes and viscounts yes. of our society well but, i wonder about that do we are we attracted to just opulence and beautiful things we want to see stories about the rich for that reason some people are definitely i mean that's the whole appeal of trump is that he's just Ugh. ridiculously rich guy who has never even been to a store but he has a gold palace you know people are like attracted to that in some sense and it might be yeah. because i don't think it's because of fraser but it might be because of you know just media that depicts the rich as better than us that's mm -hmm. kind of been i mean the rich control the media and they've been telling us mm -hmm. that the rich are better than us through the media sure that's all fox news is through through all the stupid social issues that fox news the chum that they throw to people mm -hmm. what it's really about is like hey they've even said like you know rich people pay off people tucker carlson said this rich people pay off people all the time it's just it is illegal, but people do it. He was just, he was basically saying, "We're rich. We do this stuff all the time. Just yeah, that's how it is. We're better. Uh. We can." And that's what it's all about: is telling people to worship the certain amount of worship of the rich. Yeah. And I I still like Frasier, although, like I said, I don't especially like watching stories about people. Who, I feel like people who have that amount of money even though it's not infinite money it's just mm -hmm. like problem-free life <laughs> yeah much. well sure there's the stakes are kind of different yeah for them because yeah. the, the only stake really in fraser's life is he's trying to get laid or <laughs> have a wife or yeah. just someone in a partner in his life that's yeah. really the only his career's fine even there's road bumps his money's fine. He's never going to be broke or a billionaire. It's just fine. Yeah. It's always just like goofy adventures, rivalries with random people, little petty, little career problems, little petty with the show. Shit. Yeah. And then the Belchers, on the other hand, are dealing with like real issues <laughs> day to day. Like they, they're constantly <laughs> on the verge of going out of business. He so can't afford a to, to pay someone. The kids. When the kids were working for the pot farmer and uh, yeah. Bob was trying to buy them back, he was like, I'll match whatever they're paying you. They said 10 bucks each a day. And he said, no deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. Like, 
30 Your bucks business in payroll. can't afford 30 bucks a day in payroll. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's telling all the interviewees like, well, I won't pay you now, but I could pay you eventually. <laughs> right. Which we should talk about that because I just had that meeting this week. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not going to blow up their spot, but this happens in freelancing all the time. I work freelance in general tech and, and programming and, and coding and editing. And a lot of times somebody will you'll send somebody your resume because it sounds like they're doing a cool project. And then they'll say, hey, yeah, we want to interview you. And then you get in the middle of the interview and they're like, by the way, we don't have any money. We <laughs> want you to work for us until <laughs> June when the beta will be released and then we'll get funding. Oh, boy. And that's a risk. Usually I say, fuck you. Actually, these guys seem to have a pretty good idea. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, is this the new Facebook? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to turn down a role on the new Facebook. But in general, it sucks. It's definitely it, it's it's a rot on capitalism where people who don't have a corporate middle management, steady, like boring cubicle job, mm-hmm. people that want to go out and do artistic or freelancer creative type careers like mm-hmm. i'm trying to put together which, you know which i've been living like this for 20 years it's sort of a creative freelance of general technical and artistic kind of stuff mm-hmm. i think it's great and i think it's fun but the sad truth is that nobody has money to you know all these little fun cool diy projects people have nobody has money for them Mm-hmm. We're in post New Deal society, right? <laughs> the New Deal was all about building the middle class and giving people spending money so that they could have like, you know, right. a little extra to do fun projects with or just go to skiing. Yeah, that's and the thing. People, if people have, they've really sucked that out of us. If people have a certain amount of basic needs met. They tend to do things like create little businesses. Yeah. Or, you know, make things to give back. And there's a big jump, I think, in our society these days between Bob Belcher and Frazier. And there shouldn't be such a big jump. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if you have mm. a quote unquote a good job, which is, you know, tenure at a big company and, yeah, uh, you know, an automatic raise every year and four weeks of vacation then you're fine in this country and you have plenty of money if you don't have a quote-unquote good job which means a lot of times if you're an entrepreneur or an Mm -hmm. artist a musician if you want to work in a restaurant or run a restaurant Mm -hmm. or even just you know be the host hostess the front of house the whatever you want to be if you want to be a chef if you want to Mm-hmm. these are jobs that you have to struggle your whole life. Like yeah. there's no in between. There's this big gap right now. And I think, you know, what I was saying, New Deal, like the Rooseveltian like era sort of tried to close that gap a little bit and be like, yeah, you could, my dad raised a family on a school, high school counselor salary. And now you can't do that now. Yeah. You would need two high school counselor salaries mm-hmm. to raise a family now. It's a common conservative i would say party line that there is no need to raise the minimum wage to a living wage because the minimum wage was never designed to be a living wage it's a wage for teenagers on their first jobs and by the time you are old enough to be supporting a family you're supposed to be past that sort of job you're supposed to be the corporate yeah you're supposed to have gotten and this is where i'm always like what is happening here? So at this point, people seem to say like, well, you should have like gone to a four-year university and been, you know, placed by God into the job that you're supposed to be in. Like you become a doctor and you become a dentist at the age of, you know, 22. And like this other person becomes a whatever. And then they all get money. Um, Or you can be, you know, you can get a job at one of these private companies, all these mysterious jobs where people manage products and mm-hmm. recruit hiring you know module and you're just like what do you do what are these there's 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 they have meetings about things and they type things but i'm like i don't know what oh, the, yeah. what's physically being done here um Work because i like yeah i have always worked selling widgets mm-hmm. or now selling food 
but selling physical things to people for money. Yeah. I've never been in Which a abstract Which should be a living kind of job. job. That's the... That's yeah, one of the oldest jobs, like shopkeep, you know? Sure, it's but it's one of the merchant, most vital yeah. jobs, merchant. But it's not really considered, and especially in food food service, which is a kind of a retail because, you know, you're retailing the fries or whatever. <laughs> um, but there's this expectation that these jobs shouldn't have to be good enough to support families because they're not for adults. You're supposed yeah, to be past this bullshit. at a certain point, yeah, would, which, which is fascinating because... I'm willing to accept that I'm, you know, that I'm, maybe I was arrested in my development and, you know, maybe I do, maybe I do only have the skills that like, you know, a typical 21 year old (laughs) should have. Okay. I can accept that. That's fine. If that's my like status of, of what I'm able to do for work. Um, However, I don't think that's, I don't think every food place should be run exclusively by 18 to 24 year olds. Like, does anyone think this? Why is no, this, what, what would that no, kind of world be? Sense. In fact, I would say that the conservative line now is, is don't go to college mm-hmm. and get a skilled job. And, you know, right. that's what you know, flipping burgers is a skilled job. It's a job that you have to learn a skill to do. Sure. So th- they're, they're enforcing this dichotomy. Like either you're one of the, you know, the soylent green, you know, the people, <laughs> the the expendable people that are turning knobs in places and you're struggling mm-hmm. and you don't have a minimum wage. They can pay you as little as keeps you alive yeah. b- until you revolt, which is very little. And mm-hmm. otherwise, you work for the corporate, uh, you work in a cubicle mm-hmm. and you get paid way too much and you barely do anything like it's office space and you're like it's by usually by noon i haven't done five minutes of work and yeah and then you get paid a lot and then you live in fraser like opulence and you care about stupid yeah. things like dating <laughs> you know i i like those things i, I would l- rather think about stupid things like dating yeah. than than uh money yeah. but i think actually that is that's a good idea to kind of interrogate, to problematize, if you will. Um, because that's why I like working class shows like Bob's Burgers or like, I don't know, Roseanne is always the only you example I can think of. love King of Queens. Fucking love King of Queens. <laughs> Kevin James is hot in King of Queens. No. Can I just say that? <laughs> he looks great. I'm, I don't know. Sorry. Okay. Wood. <laughs> I I like him. He looks like Mr. Incredible. He's kind of he's cut like a weird sort of well, cartoon shape. Well, yeah, Mr. Shape, Incredible is kind know? of <laughs> probably drawn after him. Okay, I'm um, sorry, I'm, I was anyway, exaggerating. Anyway, sitcoms. I like sitcoms specifically about the working class because it shows that even if you're not getting your basic needs met, you do still have other thoughts and feelings, and, you, and we all do still have the same human experience. I believe it was Maslow who came up with hierarchy. the hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. Yeah. He's got the, the, you need to be able to like be alive and, and not starve and not be in constant danger and not be under like a certain level of stress. And then you can like kind of go on to some higher like levels of human experience in terms of what you can afford to think about. Let me read the um, Maslow's hierarchy. I f- have found it as a uh, pyramid. We're on the bottom, the most like, uh, bedrock needs are psychological, uh, physiological needs, excuse me, breathing, food, water, shelter, clothing, sleep. The next higher need is safety and security. That's health, employment, property, family, and social ability. Hmm. See right there, that's the, only the second out of five. And I'm already having problems. <laughs> and we're already d- not guaranteed those, and most people don't have them. Yeah. Okay, number yeah. three, the third highest is love and belonging, mm. friendship, family, intimacy, sense of connection. We have that most of the time. Self-esteem is the next level. Confidence, mm. achievement, respect of others, the need to be a unique individual. Most people don't have that. Mm. I've never felt that. <laughs> Except when I told, um, I told one of my jokes that usually gets a mild laugh and it got a really big laugh. Really? This one time. And then I was like, F- 
filled with self-esteem. Aww. <laughs> Usually it gets a pretty an okay laugh. This one time it got like a 30-second laugh, and I couldn't do my next joke. Oh, I was like, what is happening? Great. Like, Could somebody give me bunny head fingers of my head? Or, <laughs> why is everybody laughing this much about this joke? Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. The top need of five above self-esteem, the level on top, is self-actualization, morality, oh. creativity, spontaneity, acceptance, experience purpose meaning and inner potential sure i mean i think good we, hierarchy we don't Maslow. Wanna, <laughs> we don't want to imply that no one can ever reach you know anything if they're having if they're struggling with their housing that they can never have love you know what i mean like or that you, don't you can't that those... have moments of creativity if you're not completely secure sure. you know or safe like like there's there's creativity in, in, in fact, war zones there's you know but I mean, are we doing it wrong? But in in order to achieve self-esteem in our society, you have to live without safety and security for a while, unless you're born rich. Mm. If you want to write a hit song or paint a million-dollar work of art or mm -hmm. build a, an app that makes $10 million, you have to live mm -hmm. without security. You have to live hand-to-mouth for a long time to get there. Yeah, in that's our the American society. way. So what Maslow's saying is that we should have the security of home first and then more people would, and this is really true, if if we just had basic income and, you know, same tax codes, um, what I'm saying is our society, according to Maslow, is, is screwed up because um, we're not providing the level of safety and security yeah. that helps get to the other levels of love and self-esteem mm -hmm. it's true uh you know i saw the other day um i read somewhere somebody pointed out that we already have test cases for universal basic income in people who inherited money ha yeah because you see with we also do have those people don't tend to I mean, Actual say what you will. In cities, right? Well, yes, we have pilot. We have test programs, of course. Pilot. Some countries have tried it, and it works amazingly. But yeah. yes, but like you can see that the the rich children kids. of the rich, you know, say what you will about them, but not all of them choose a life of completely doing nothing on the couch all day. I mean, this is why we love Arrested Development, right? Because like, the, you know, you can be a uh, Job. Well, no, even Job. Okay, Lindsay. Job's trying both for Lindsay a creative and, career. Job is trying to have a creative career. Lindsay is constantly trying to put effort into things. It's always misguided. Michael They're, is actually. But Michael is always working very hard. Yeah. Even though he comes from money. And some people just will always work hard. You know, we know. That's that, right. We know some, and some people, people are. some people will just be lazy. And so. Yeah. That doesn't mean they should die in the streets. Like. Yeah, there needs to be room for those people. This false motivation of like, we're encouraging them to be lazy. We should motivate them to work. Why? They're just going to be bad workers. <laughs> what, you're going you're gonna to force them to go work at McDonald's and yeah. make barely enough to live instead of giving them enough to go to school and earn a degree and do something? Mm-hmm that they enjoy nobody's gonna miss them at mcdonald's yeah or maybe they're gonna stay home for three years and they're gonna watch all of frazier and then they're <laughs> gonna be like i learned a lot about like something and then like i learned how to become a radio psychologist by watching frazier hey could happen Definitely i was just a happen. tossed salad a <laughs> veritable scrambled egg if you will okay <laughs> this has gone on long enough yeah, we've learned quite a bit today. Yeah, the class struggle is learned? real. Mm -hmm. La Rasa, homies. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't buy that? Well, I just, I'm not sure if it... <laughs> uh, I mean, it implies. <laughs> um, I'm all about the Rasa, whatever it is. And uh, <laughs> we learned about the class struggle. We learned about... Uh, working uh, service, mm -hmm. learned about having a summer. We learned about how, how to avoid misunderstandings when deciding who to have sex with when you're all in a ski lodge. Yeah, well, we didn't learn how to avoid. 
but I think you should have the sex partners more well, well mapped out. <laughs> um, Needs to be more com- communication. Ask for sex nicely. <laughs> and if you're turned down, say, okay. All right. Great rule to live by. <laughs> also mandatory. <laughs> yes. It's just the law. <laughs> It's this has been BDF. It's the law. Ask for consent. It's the law. <laughs> All right. This has been BDFM. Another episode. Another episode. Down, down the old gullet. The gullet. Has this been BDFM? I've been D. I have been B. The FM, as always, stands for flappy motives the motives stay flappy stay flappy motives bdfm <laughs> <laughs>